This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. For our guest today, I'd like to welcome and honor Bill Hayward. Bill is the founder and CEO of Hayward Score, as well as the CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer of Hayward Lumber, an over 100-year-old California lumber and building material supplier. For more information, Feel free to visit the website at haywardscore.com. Again, that's haywardscore.com. Bill, welcome and thank you for being on the show. Always awesome and wonderful to see you, really. Tom, it's great to be here. Appreciate it. (laughs) Bill, as we were saying in our virtual green room, I I asked you the backdrop, the painting in the backdrop, and uh, share with your audience today what, what it is. It's fascinating. It's a great backdrop. It's St. Mark's Square in Venice with open air and fog. And there are the two statues there. And they were doing some reparations. So they had one of them down below. And I went down and the the guy with it is standing on an alligator, interestingly enough. And it turns out he's the patron saint of fresh air. And I thought, well, of course, you know, they didn't have as many medicines back then. Life was a little bit more fragile. Of course, you had to pay attention to your air. And people did. If the air was bad, you know, they took medicines. They did. So, they protected themselves from bad air. Today, we don't do that. We just take whatever air is in our breathing space. That's what we got to breathe. We're stuck with it. And I'm not stuck with it. Is I shared with you before we started today is is um, there's technology. There are are w- many proven ways to increase the fresh air in all of our dwellings, and yet it's not as ubiquitous yet as, say, an air conditioning in a, in, in a hot or humid city. What do you feel it takes or will take to where there's a tipping point to where it's, it's just, it's not a matter of, oh, I think we ought to think about it. It's, oh, how well is it? Well, I think we just had the tipping point. It was called the pandemic, mm. right? As the pandemic began, we worried about what was on our elevator button. That turned out not to be very important. And now we understand it's airborne. And a hundred years of epidemiology and medical understanding has changed overnight. Just weeks ago, the CDC and the WHO acknowledged it was airborne. I guess the rest of us knew that, right? But uh, they did say. So that said, we are aware of what's in our air now. And we stayed home. And we noticed the odors in our home. We noticed it so much because we couldn't go to work. We had to fix it. We moved. We got air purifiers, we opened our windows, we found we felt better, and we are now distinctly aware of what's in our air. And as we go back into public spaces and realize we're sharing air with others, we're now entering a time where people want to know what's in their air. The schools are in the process of spending lots of money given to them by the federal government to fix the air quality in their schools, and there's been an outcry for that. And as we've seen some schools go back, Students aren't getting sick. They're not getting the flu. They're not getting other airborne um, pathogens. Now, that's amazing, right? When we think about not just a pandemic, but beyond, we can actually substantially reduce the spread of airborne pathogens by adding ventilation to our buildings, feel better, and think better. 
So this is, to me, is the tipping point or the accelerator towards the age of air. That ventilation and how vital that is. How do you feel? This is a, a personal question, but how do you feel about, unfortunately, the, the pandemic, but knowing that at least people's awareness is, is there and the actions are now there as well? So for me, it's, it's literally refreshing okay. um, because at Hayward Score, we've scored 80,000 homes across America and we track 23 medical symptoms. And we see how many people tell us, I feel better when I leave my house, only to feel worse when I return. It's a substantial amount of impact on human health in our schools, classrooms, and homes from lack of ventilation. So as we're becoming aware of it, and we move to a time when we're putting now HEPA purifiers in our homes, uh, we're doing it in our schools, we're simply going to be a healthier population. Yeah. That healthier population, what's your, if you mind sharing some of your most recent projects that were really exciting that I'd love for you to share with your audience today? Yeah. So, you know, COVID hit and for us, it was pretty clear that it was airborne. So we started to communicate, how do you open your windows? How do you, how do you just get more air in? How do you hack it with HEPA filters, whether you're in winter or summer climates? Well, the schools started to get really good attention, but the restaurant community, where 7% of Americans work, wasn't getting much. And the, uh, the uh, schools of environmental engineers, most of these guys and gals had become my friends. So I reached out to Dr. Hernandez, who opened a year ago 200 Denver schools and said, let's do something around restaurants. And we did here locally for, for the state of California. We set up the Post Ranch restaurant, which is down in Big Sur. And we, we implemented uh, six effective air changes per hour. And that number, six effective air changes, is when the risk of transmission becomes equivalent to outdoor transmission. Right? So early in, in the pandemic, we knew we accepted the risk of outdoor transmission. We said, it's low. We can be outdoors. Uh, we, we couldn't indoors. But when we have six effective air changes, which means a, an amount of air coming in from the outside, fresh air, May, with an additional amount of supplemental air cleaning with HEPA filters, we can get to that effective six air changes. So we set it up. Dr. Hernandez and I spent two days validating it in early January. And it was uh, covered in the Washington Post in a, in a very significant write-up complete with um, fluid dynamic modeling of how air moves and how you achieve proper mixing with the HEPA purifiers. Because in an indoor space, we often don't have much outdoor ventilation. If we do, it often doesn't mix, right? Think about standing up in a room, it's hot above, cold below. Well, if there's COVID or flu or cold floating in the air and it's in that hot layer, you stand up, you stick your head in a concentrated layer. But if you have a network of HEPA filters in the room and in classrooms, it was usually two, they're cleaning air in between student, in between uh, patron, restaurant patron, and it's blowing air upwards, which is causing the room to mix and equally dilute across the entire space. So that's going to be one of the new core principles of great indoor ventilation as we move forward. It's not just bringing good outdoor air in, but we need some tools to make sure the indoor air is properly mixed and equally diluted. What's your experience in the last, say, two, three years in, in being the authority, the leader in you know, the importance and the, the value of fresh air in buildings? Well, 
Three years ago, it was kind of interesting. Now I get calls all the time to do this show, this presentation, this. What I think is the most exciting about it is, you know, I got sick in a house years ago in 08, 09. Mm -hmm. My wife, family, we were very impacted. And when we looked at, found half the homes in America were impacting health, 70% of schools had bad air circulation that was impacting health. 70. It seemed like a worthy mission to try and change that and change health in America. Now, uh, with the attention the pandemic has given to air and the impact of air on health, I think we're well on our way to, to achieve my dream, which is healthy indoor air for all. Yeah. Tell us about your dream. I mean, I, I know you, you touched on your experience, but in your third eye, with your third eye, what outcome would make you, if, if there's such a thing, to just kind of sit, just pause for a moment and go, wow, this vision that I, meaning you, Bill, had is, is in motion. I mean, it is now, but to where really it's to a point of where it, it is uh, just a standard. Yes, yeah, so when I think about it that way, Tom, uh, my dream would be to change health by changing the air we breathe in our homes and schools, which is a kind of simple, really. You know, today we understand that most of our health impacts are either airborne or environmental exposures. And the first thing people do when they say, oh, it's environmental exposures, they think, oh, environment, that's out there. Except we spend 90% of our time indoors. So the delivery vehicle of environmental exposures is indoor air. And then again, we say, oh, it's all going to kill us. And it doesn't feel actionable. But actually, we can change the shell of our house. We can add HEPA filtration to our house. We can protect the layer that, that brings the air through into the... And all of a sudden, it's an incredibly actionable. We can take action in our own space that leads to a better health outcome for us, leaves us in a better cognitive condition, be able to optimize our lives. And then for me, the ultimate part of that story is I believe we can heal the planet by healing our homes. Because when you take the steps to make a home airtight and bring good fresh air in and reduce outdoor pollutants, you're air sealing, you're adding insulation, you're putting ventilation in. That makes your HVAC more efficient. Buildings consume 30 plus percent of energy. So if we solve for reasons of health and make our buildings more efficient, now we're working on one third of the global carbon footprint. And it's an affordable method to do it that has tremendous benefits, not only to the planet, but to our own health. So we can heal the planet by healing our homes. And when we sit in our home and we realize bad toxic chemicals aren't good for us, are we gonna keep demanding toxic chemicals? No, we're gonna start asking for the good stuff. And when we do that, industry follows. So that's part of healing the planet. Talk about the, the technology and the affordability. Let's stay with the technology for now. The technology to uh, make it um, as great as it can be. The good stuff, as you say. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a quick parallel, right? The last time building had a triggering event was the energy crisis. Some of us remember waiting in gas lines. I was in my mom's car going to school, but we waited. And that triggered a move to energy efficiency, but the technology to go to energy efficiency didn't exist in 73 and 76, had to be invented. Now we're driving towards air and changing uh, codes around air quality and ventilation. Guess what? All that technology is invented. 
In fact, it's existed. It's commercially available. It's been available for over 10 years. So we don't have to invent anything. It's all ready to go. Right? So we know how to do air tightness. And we know how to do good waterproofing. And we know how to introduce air into buildings with energy recovery ventilation. The challenge on that is when you tell the HVAC industry about energy recovery ventilation, their memory of is of that, if they know anything about it at all, is it's old, it's inefficient, it doesn't work so well. Today, energy recovery ventilation can bring outdoor air in at 90% energy efficiency, right? So it harvests 90% of the energy on the outgoing air. And because it's energy recovery, it dumps moisture from the incoming air passively, basically, without a big, big, heavy dehumidifier. So in many of our climates around the country where you need dehumidification, you get dehumidification. And so now on a 40-degree day, given that efficiency, the air is coming in at, say, 68 into the 70-degree room. And we're dumping 70% of the humidity. So you need a tiny humidifier or, the, or a two-stage air conditioner running at slow speed can now dehumidify enough that you don't actually need to even add a dehumidifier, right? That's a hugely energy-efficient package. It's delivering tremendously healthy indoor environment. I love this. It's fascinating. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cereclad. We're talking today with Bill Hayward. Bill is the founder and CEO of Hayward Score, as well as CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer of Hayward Lumber. For more information, please visit haywardscore.com. Again, that's haywardscore.com. Bill, if you could touch on, uh, go back to some of the, uh, the most recent projects, what's an investment to get up to, uh, to the level that you feel is, is appropriate for people in a dwelling, in a building, in a structure? Private home or in business, either or. Okay, so I'll quickly give a, a restaurant example. Okay. Post Ranch is a five-star restaurant. Stevie's is a Hispanic-owned restaurant on the on two corner of two highways. A lovely woman owns it. Five kids running around while she's trying to cook. Right, incredible food though. It's in Prundale, <laughs> California. It cost us about forty-five hundred dollars to do her restaurant. That was on-table HEPA filters. Uh, six uh, on the ground HEPA filters to clean intra um, a patron, right? So that there were nobody downstream from airflow and a $400 exhaust fan and about $1,100 worth of labor plus, plus a monitor. So now we're monitoring. We have filtration, mixing and outdoor air at the six air change per hour, $4,500, right? She said it paid for itself in two weeks. Her rest, her patron count went up she had more people in and she saved a ton of money on her propane because now she had people inside and out. That's an amazing story. The post ranch and, and we're in you know, temperate California. So she didn't need per se energy recovery ventilation. The post ranch opened their economizers, added nine HEPA filters, 16 tabletop. They spent about $9,000. They also spent another 20,000 to add a, a energy recovery ventilator, which they have to lift over the roof with a crane. They're a top restaurant. They paid for it in three days. Their guest count went back up. People were ordering more wine and food. Uh, the chef says it's the future of the, the future of dining to have air that we care for. We care for our food. Now we care for our air. 
right? The dining experience was stunning in that restaurant. Is there a, a uh, an acknowledgement of a? Uh, I, I'm not sure what the what you would call it, a, a place that's the restaurants where it's just like you know this is a sanitary restaurant. Is there one that's an acronym or a symbol of this is a? You can be certain that this is a 100% clean you know type air. Uh, uh, acknowledgement or certification. You know, you restaurant. you almost said it. You almost said clean air restaurant. So after I we did. did the Post Ranch, it was written up in the Washington Post. Uh, we're launching this Wednesday a new website called cleanairrestaurants.com. And it puts it makes it, all of this information available in a free 20-minute how-to. You don't need to hire an air quality specialist to do it because we're trying to spread the word. Uh, but it also reviews energy recovery ventilation and... Um, it's it's going live. We also on that that piece offer a clean air restaurant certification. <laughs> so you asked and you didn't know to ask, right? No, clean, I didn't. yeah. And, and so that that you can you if you uh, set your restaurant up, send in photographs of what you've done and give us a link to the live monitoring so we can monitor it. We can then certify it. That's almost as important as like a Michelin rated. I mean, could, because I can see you choosing like, oh, I do not want to go in here. Right. I've heard uh, senior people in the restaurant industry say, you know, as we return, I don't think I'm ever going to want to go into a public space with people I don't know and share their air if I don't know something about the air inside the space. I think that's right. I mean, people are returning. But there's skepticism, there's concern, there's people sitting outdoors. And all of a sudden I'm hearing recently, I got the cold. I haven't had a cold in, in 16 months, right? Well, that's going to happen indoors in, in unventilated spaces. So I think we really will start to get tuned into, I want to go into a place that can prove to me they're ventilated. It, you, it, there's just no end. Clean air restaurant, clean air office building, clean air home. Uh, clean air, every single facility is going to, I don't see how it's, th there is an end to this bill. I think there's a lot of opportunity because we all breathe air. Yeah, we do. Well, we want to make sure that it's as clean as possible, not clean th that it is. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we, you've heard it f first here about the clean air restaurant. Have you shared that with any other, uh, media platforms? I have not Tom, because okay. the website doesn't go live till midnight Wednesday. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wow. No, that, that's fascinating. So will you have a complete, like a certification where they can affix it to their front window or door as yep. upon entrance? Oh, that's, that's like a major difference. As I said, the only thing I can compare it to is like, is this a, like a Michelin rated restaurant? Right. Was that by design? We'd been thinking about it for a while. Before the pandemic started, we were thinking about uh, certifying hotels most hotels didn't think it was necessary. And then pandemic hit, and like, how do we tell guests that we're we have a healthy indoor environment? You can't make this up. No, no. So we helped a, a local art museum do the same thing, same principles, right? Six air changes per hour, uh, maximize the outdoor air, add HEPA filtration. It's in this Monterey Museum of Art, it has the oldest collection of California art in the country. And it was not a pleasant smelling museum. Mm. So they bought 30 HEPA filters. They added more fresh air. They did all the right. It's now lovely in there. 
It smells really good. And the staff is so appreciative about it. That's one of the things I've seen at the restaurant industry. You know, half of the people working in restaurants went into construction because, as you notice, construction is going off the hook. Yeah. So restaurants can't hire and they're having trouble retaining. Well, whose restaurant are you going to work at? The one with the clean, fresh air where you feel protected and taken care of or the one that doesn't care? I know which one I'm going to work at if I'm in the restaurant business. Yes, that's for sure. And about that care, why is it that you care so much, Bill? I mean, you, I mean, maybe it's a deep question. If it's too personal, tell me, hey, let's move to something else. But you care a heck of a lot. I care because I was oblivious to the topic until 08. I knew a lot about buildings, and my wife and I bought our dream house. And when we moved into it here in you know the Monterey Peninsula, we started to get sick. And I'll go quick on this, but we'd run the heat, we'd sneeze, we wouldn't feel good. Next thing you know, we're tired, exhausted, I'm falling asleep, and we have a, we have a new baby. So we blame it on the new baby. But by Christmas, I can't hold a 10-digit phone number in my head long enough to dial it. I'm literally falling asleep in meetings. I can't think clearly. I can't remember words. I'm, I'm writing words backwards. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Well, we finally test the house after 16 months, find it's got a tremendous mold problem, and we move out. Okay, so, wow, this happened to me. I'm a building insider. I didn't know that it could really happen. Of course, I, you know, you've seen a little of it on 60 Minutes. So I look at the EPA, and they say, oh, yeah, half the homes, schools, and commercial buildings in America have an indoor air quality problem that's affecting our health. And now we see that on the rise as we understand that homes and indoor environment are where environmental pollutions enter our system. And so we really have to do something about the air we breathe to, to be healthy and to optimize our lives. Because there's the I got sick part. And then there's, well, what happens when you have really good air? Oh, you sleep better. Oh, cognition improves anywhere between 60 and 260% based upon the Harvard studies. And productivity in a business environment goes up 12%, right? So if I've got a million-dollar payroll in my office building, this is a very inexpensive investment to create morale. So I did this to my lumberyards three years ago. I started to add fresh air. So we had that level of fresh air, and we saw a morale change. We saw less mistake rates. I knew our guys were probably exposed to chemicals from the inside of the hardware store. We reduced that. When COVID hit, we knew about proper mixing and HEPA, so we added all those so we had probably the safest retail environment in the country. Got through COVID well. But what I saw in my people is genuine care. Like, thank you, Bill. Thank you for giving us permission to be safe. Thank you for letting us come to work. We don't feel exploited. We feel like you've given us the ability to come to work by our choice and feel safe. We even bought uh, two HEPA filters for every employee at Hayward. And let them take it home as a part of, you know, so that if someone got it in the household, it would reduce the potential for intra-household mm -hmm. transmission. But what we're now seeing from HEPA filters is that small investment makes a substantial impact on the health in, in private homes, right? Private homes don't have good ventilation, but this really cleans the air up. And the sense that we cared and took care of our people has been so powerful. They're... I mean, when I visit, they're so engaged, appreciative, outspoken. The wives, we sleep better. I feel better. It's amazing. I love this. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Clad. We're talking today with Bill Hayward. Bill is a founder and CEO of Hayward Score, as well as a CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer of Hayward Lumber. For more information, 
visit their website at haywardscore.com. Again, that's haywardscore.com. I know, Bill, you've touched on a, a tremendous amount already, but um, with business and commerce constantly evolving, the expectations for results um, and the outcomes for cleaner air um, has seemed to has accelerated as well. What's changed in your experience over the last, say, well, let's, let's make it really short, over the last, say, even couple of months? So I think the acknowledgement that it's airborne, the, the acknowledgement by CDC and the WHO, the kind of response of the average person saying, are you kidding? Didn't we know it was airborne a long time ago? Like, how did you guys not know? And then we're spending money on schools. We're starting to see from the schools that are open, people didn't get sick. And we're looking at the legacy benefit. We're saying, okay, beyond the pandemic, what is this going to do for us? And every day, I think the American public, or the global public, is expanding their thought process on what healthier air would do. And I think that's a really powerful change in the way that medicine and the environment of the home will be determined to be part of our medical package. And if you think about the book that Joe Allen wrote at Harvard called Healthy Buildings, the premise is that uh, your building manager has more to do with your long-term health than your doctor. Well, that's talking about commercial buildings. We really spend more time in our homes. And often we don't have the same budget that the commercial building has to maintain the home. So if we can find simple, affordable ways to do that, which is one of the things we did at Hayward Score, we really focused on after we had 80,000 homes and 23 medical symptoms, it's the largest study of health and housing ever done. We focused on what are the affordable, portable, and transportable, easy-to-do hacks, things that impact human health in a positive way before we have to go and spend real money and add energy recovery ventilation. Now, if you're at the point where you're about to replace your HVAC system and spend a little bit more for that, you can get the health benefit and cut your energy bill by at least half. So it has a payback, but not everybody's ready to do the retrofit on their private home. How do you address the, if there's such thing as, it doesn't sound like there's a fear, it's just more of an awareness and, and the, uh, just the decision, just to decide, look, I'm going to demand clean air in my home. I'm going to demand clean air and expect, not demand it, but just expect it in, in my workplace, in my workspace. Um, is there a way to do that or present that without being offensive or, uh, you know, making the, the owner or ownership feel like they're not caring as much. You know, again, going back to the example of the book that uh, Joe Allen at Harvard produced, he did it in conjunction with the Dean of the Business School. So they documented the business case. And that's what we did with clean air restaurants. I don't know that CDC is going to require it in the short run of restaurants. But when business owners look at that and say, oh, I can fill my restaurant up and my competitor isn't, duh, I'm going to do it. And that's what uh, uh, the Carver Group documented. These buildings are, are getting better rent. They have higher occupancy. People don't move out, right? And I, I like to see the business case and, and leadership drive the change. I am sure legislation's coming, but leadership is going to be a, a lot better way to do it. So I think as we see demand for these things and people start to rent and make decisions based upon the air in the building that they're renting, and then the other side of it is this whole social equity story. 
And generally speaking, outdoor air is in worse condition in neighborhoods where people have less financial capacity. And so the, the burden falls higher. And this country is very focused, as it should be, on social equity, both in health and quality of life. And when the economics work, like lower cost of insurance, well, that's, that is a payback. Then, then we can now afford to create the, the social equity that we, we need to have. Bill, what else would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on? You know, we did a, um, I would say, the, a, a, a formal survey for Hayward Score where we surveyed, uh, say, 20,000 people about how much uh, their healthcare cost was uh, if they thought their home had impacted their health. And we're estimating that the annual cost of unhealthy housing, not just schools and restaurants, but unhealthy housing, is $700 billion a year to the U.S. healthcare system. And if we change the air we breathe in our indoor environments, we'd be able to put that money back into our economy to finance the retrofits, to do a whole bunch of things. And we know, because uh, I've heard plenty of talk, our economy will get choked by the rising costs of healthcare. The built environment is essential to both affordability and combating the rising cost of healthcare. Bill, we can talk a lot more of this. I hope you come. You want to come on again soon because I just feel like we're just each time we've discussed this, um, this it becomes more and more important. I hope you consider coming on real soon again. I'd love to come back on, and it's always fun to get wound up because you wind me up with these questions. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bill. Bill, it's it's uh, an honor and pleasure having you on on your show today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Our guest today has been Bill Hayward. Bill is the founder and CEO of Hayward Score, as well as the CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer of Hayward Lumber, an over 100-year-old California lumber and building materials supplier. For more information, feel free to visit HaywardScore.com. Again, HaywardScore.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sarah Clad. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast features one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, thought leaders, and sustainability leaders, providing innovation and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create a healthy living environment. The podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. We look forward to joining us again next time. I'm Tom Durrell. Thank you.